Okay. So um, let's all stand. You know, I kind of have to tell you that I, my topical study kind of comes in the same time as the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know, so we're at the halftime season because we ended our lesson in Jesus in the Old Testament with Leanne. I heard she nailed it on Thursday. And then next week we're starting in the Old Testament, the book of Nehemiah, which is going to be so enjoyable. So next week, chapter one. Okay, so grab your sister's hand. Come on, you guys. Lift her up. Lift her up. Okay, everyone got a hand back there? One more. Grab your hand, your leg, or whatever, you know. Okay. Okay. Okay, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come here this morning and some of us with just pure exhaustion, Lord, and tired of life's challenges thrown at us. We lay our trials, we lay our challenges, our disappointments, our heartaches, our concerns, we lay them all down today at the foot of the cross, asking you to take them because we don't have the strength on our own. Lord, bless my sister whose hands we're holding. Comfort her and be by her side. Guide her path. Anoint her with your Holy Spirit. Give her the daily living water that will sustain her that only through your Son, Jesus Christ, can give. In your name, amen. Okay. All right. Okay. So this morning, my topical study, I've... um, For the last couple of months, or on the back in um, October, when I was told I was going to do a topical study, it was just like, Lord, what, what do you want me to do it on? And I uh, kept coming to mind with my life around craziness with kids and sports and everything, and just everyone's just getting dehydrated all the time. I was just like, what the heck? Everyone's just so... You know, we've been through this. You know, anybody here have kids in uh, school or had kids in sports and everything? I mean, I try to do the dehydration thing, like carry the water bottles with me to the games. Carry the water bottles in my car. Put the sport drinks in the fridge. It just seemed like I just, I couldn't get ahead of it. And so um, at the time when I was praying, God, what do you want me to talk to the ladies about? What do you want to share with the ladies? And it just came to my mind, um, our spiritual hydration and dehydration, how it can correlate with our natural bodies. Um, we've studied in the last four months of Israel, God's chosen people, on how they would obey his commandments and then fall back deep into sin over and over. And God, being God, forgave them time after time again, just like he does with us, over and over. In every moment of their life, and every moment of our life, God has never left our sides. That's a song, by the way. I don't know. If you guys can figure it out, tell me at the end. Every valley, every storm, he was there. We don't need to know what's next. God already has our path paved out. We just need to trust him. So today's uh, message is hydration versus dehydration. Water for the thirsty soul. Have you ever been thirsty? I don't, want, I don't mean just the average thirst, like, oh, i got to get some water. Where's my cup? You guys like my cup? 
I mean really, really thirsty, where your tongue sticks to your mouth and all you can think about is water. In 1996, a young Navy airman named Richard was standing on a platform of an aircraft carrier patrolling the Iranian Sea. Incredibly, he fell overboard. His absence was not known for 36 hours. A search and rescue mission began, but was given up after another 24 hours. No one could survive in the sea without even a life jacket after 60 hours. His parents were notified that he was missing and presumed dead. Four Pakistani fishermen found Richard about 72 hours after he had fallen from the aircraft carrier. He was treading water in his sleep, clinging to a makeshift flotation device made from his trousers. A skill learned in most military survival training. He was delirious when they pulled him into the fishing boat. His tongue was dry and cracked and his throat parched. Two years later, the young Marine recounted his story to the media of his will to live and survive. He said it was God who kept him struggling to survive. His discovery by the fishermen makes searching for a needle in a haystack a piece of cake. The most excruciating thing of all, Richard told the reporters, that the one thought that took over his body and pounded his brain was the need for water. Have you ever been thirsty like that? Last year at the Church Mammoth Trip, which I highly recommend everyone going, on one of the days a hike was planned to go see a waterfall. Preparing for the trip, we were told to pack a lunch, a water, and um, extra water per person. My husband packed one of those water backpacks that he bought, and he packed two extra bottles for himself. I was going around teasing him, saying, it's just four hours. You don't need all that. Look at you with all that water on your back. Karen's laughing because she knows. Anyway, the day's trip was planned for four hours. The hike itself to and from the waterfall was about an hour in and an hour out. Once we reached the waterfall, we all stayed to enjoy our packed lunches and our waters, and we watched the kids splash around in the lake or the pond or whatever it's called. After a few hours, people started to head back to the shuttle on their own to get back to the camp. My group decided to take a short adventure on a trail to see what is called Devil's Postpile. Who has seen Devil's Postpile? <laughs> we looked at the map and said, Meh. <laughs> It's easy and it looks fun. At the time we started off, it was about 3 p.m., thinking it would only be a 45-minute trail. We would pick up the shuttle bus at that site, so we thought. Well, there is something on maps that is so crucial and important to all hikers. Times and locations of all trails open and closed due with shuttle buses coming in and out. Well, being avid hikers... We started off. Thank God we have... Anybody here know Ingrid? Okay, you know she's a, uh, she is an outdoorsy person. So we're like, we have her. She's going with us. So she is our trail boss. Taking our sweet time up the trail, it started to get colder and darker. Only passing four people on the trail, we started to ask them, 
Is the ranger station just up the trail? Oh, we haven't seen a ranger station on this trail. What? Pulling out our maps, taking a look at it. We had about a mile to go until we hit a big Y on the trail. And the only trail to end at the ranger station was the one that went up in elevation. We're already in Mammoth, so that's high. Which was the only trail servicing a shuttle bus out of the canyon before nightfall. Or we could go back the way we came and try to hit the shuttle bus there. Either way, we needed to hurry up. Ingrid, as we all know, an avid outdoorsman, and only having a coffee in her canister, started to look very nervous and very, very weary. Even though she was our trail boss, we could not keep up with her. We needed to get going fast. Looking around for our water bottles, which were all empty, we started to get thirsty real fast, even though it was getting cold. A mile, we thought, would be fast. We were wrong. We made it to the ranger station within two minutes of the shuttle bus arriving. With our water bottles in hand, looking for a spigot so that we could have something to drink on the ride home. Gasping for breath, we, excuse me, we found the water spigot and filled our bottles. And sitting on the bus, a sense of safety fell on us. Even though we thought we had prepared ourselves for the day's adventure, we realized we did not prepare enough. My husband's water packet was gone faster than we thought. Physical thirst can be excruciating and dangerous. Dehydration will get you into serious difficulty in a hurry. If you have ever been really, truly thirsty, then you can much more be able to connect with the meaning of thirst of a spiritual sense. We can also call dehydration driving, dry brain, or we can also relate it to a car without gas. Irritability, (laughs) headaches, mood and energy Changes may be some sort of an alarm system built inside of us, letting us know, hey, you need water. Some top signs of physical dehydration. Fatigue, blood flow and pressure drop due to lack of water and oxygen. Discoloring of your urine. Our kidneys attempt to store the water instead of expelling it. Sudden lightheadedness. Blood pressure drops. Dizziness follows. Heart rate increases. Plummeting electrolyte levels cause heart rate to increase. Breathing and heartbeat quicken to indicate potential dehydration. You are overheated. Fluid levels in our body keep our temperature regulated. Muscle cramps, especially in sports. Constipation. Skin loses elasticity. The doctor pinches your skin to see how fast it bounces back. No more tears if you're crying without um, tissues because you don't have anything to dry. You are dehydrated. And lastly, you're parched. A dry, thick-smelling mouth signifies a late stage of dehydration. Water helps our bodies in many ways. But in worst cases, where we are physically dehydrated, it may cause blindness and death. The Bible tells us that our bodies will return to the dust when we die. But there is one area of our body that will never die, and that's our souls. So let's take a look at the importance of spiritual hydration.
as important as it is for our outward body's hydration, it is extremely important for our inward spiritual hydration. Spiritual thirst. A young student who went to his spiritual teacher and asked the question, Master, how can I truly find God? The teacher asked the student to accompany him to the river which ran by the village and invited him to go into the water. When they got to the middle of the stream, the teacher said, Please immerse yourself in the water. The student did as he was instructed. Whereupon the teacher put his hands on the young man's head and held him under the water. Presently the student began to struggle. The master held him stronger even still. A moment passed and the student was thrashing and beating the water and air with his arms. Still the master held him under the water. Finally, the student was released and shot up from the water, lungs aching and gasping for air. The teacher waited for a few moments and then said, When you desire God as truly as you desire to breathe the air you just breathed, then you shall find God. Thirst is one of the most powerful spiritual symbols in all of Scripture. As dehydration draws the whole of our physical being to a longing for water, so a spiritual void will draw our spirits into a search for a deeper meaning of our life. How true is it for each one of us here today that when we have come to our own spiritual dehydration and when we found God, how we too can relate it to gasping for air. Like a fish out of water, it dies within minutes. How about those days when we're so busy going here and there and God is trying to get our attention? Hey, 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 what are you doing? Our spiritual dehydration occurs when we have no time for our daily devotion, no time for prayer, no time for our study. Sometimes I can find myself going days without picking up God's word because I'm so caught up in the awe of my ridiculous life. It starts at 5 o'clock in the morning and sometimes doesn't stop until midnight. And I find myself, I'm dragging my feet, and then the crankiness sets in, and before you know it, I have exploded on everybody and anyone in my path. King David, the psalmist, expressed it this way, As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you. Oh God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. We must capture that type of spiritual thirst. We must thirst and long for God and for spiritual hydration. So this morning, let's gain some insight into spiritual thirst. Spiritual living by examining Jesus' statement in John 7:37. So if you have your Bibles here, let's go ahead and open those up because I want you to highlight some very important areas in your Bible that we're going to be looking at. Okay, in John chapter 7, here we see that Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he's here for the Feast of Tabernacles. And now remember, 
The Feast of Tabernacles was that joyful week-long celebration when families camped out by the temple to remember God's faithfulness to Israel during the wilderness wanderings. Okay, so now there comes this Feast of Tabernacles where they're going to praise God for all the things that he has brought their ancestors out of. But in this chapter, we see Jesus is speaking in the temple and the people are marveling over how much he knows. Remember um, when Jesus is speaking and they say, who is this? This is, this is Mary and Joseph's son especially the Sadducees and Pharisees, but some are not marveling, not in a good way. During the week of the Feast of Tabernacles, water was poured out daily at the altar to remind everyone of the water God miraculously provided for a thirsty Israel in the wilderness. So if we look at verse 37, this is the last day of the feast. And at that moment, the Levites would blow the trumpets And the crowd would cry out, With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. They're saying it from Isaiah. There would be leaping and dancing and shouting and singing. And great hallelujahs would fill the air. But in verse 37, when we look, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. You see, Jesus realized that these people were drinking from the river of rituals. But after this day was over, they were going to go back to the same old fear, to the same old faults, to the same old failures, to the same old frustrations, waiting for the Messiah, but he was standing right there in front of them. What was wrong with the crowd in that day is what is wrong with the crowd today with us, with me, with you, with everyone around us. Drawing water from the wrong well. We come to church on Wednesday, Thursday, Sunday, drinking the water that is given to us through God's word. Then we go back to the well of the world for instant satisfaction. What well are we drawing from today? Ask yourself, ask myself. Too often we try to quench our thirst in all the wrong places. We drink from the worldly well instead from the well of life, which is found in Jesus. So let's look at what are some worldly wells. We know that's material possessions, fleshly desires, financial gain, gotta have, gotta have, gotta have. Anything that takes your desire to the gotta have level Opposite of the gotta have Jesus level. That is a worldly well. And we've all been there, and I've been there. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. To gain a spiritual thirst, we must first desire it. So notice that the condition that Jesus lays down in verse 37. If anyone thirsts. Now, I thank God for that word anyone. Because you and me and everyone, where you are today, Jesus says, if anyone thirsts. Thank God he says anyone. Jesus plainly said if anyone wants God, a relationship with God, he can have it. If anyone wants spiritual living, he can obtain it. If anyone seeks God, he can find him. That's you. 
That's me. That's your mom. That's your dad. That's your sister. That's your kids. That's grandma, grandpa, uncles, aunts. Name them all. That's everybody around us. But notice that this is specifically addressed only to those who are thirsty. Ladies, we have to make, we have to find ourselves thirsty. If we're not thirsty, then this verse doesn't apply to us. We can read it and go, okay, chapter 30, uh, verse 38. It's not going to hit us. We have to ask ourselves, are we thirsty for God? The problem with many people is they're just not thirsty for God. We're living in a time where everything is being stripped away from us politically. We think it's our right to have this or that, but no, we don't. We don't need any of it. All we need is Jesus. Just like we can adjust to sin in the world because it slowly creeps into our house, into our lives. And the next thing you know, we're full-blown into it because what became a little bit is now a lot, and we were used to it. Just like the frog in the pot of water. You put it in cold waters, turn it up. He's swimming around. He, can't, he doesn't notice it until he's dead. You see, before we can have a really close relationship with God, we've got to be thirsty for him. And the question we need to ask ourselves today is, are you thirsty? Psalms 42 tells us, As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. We've got to cry out, as David in the Bible cried out, God, you are my God. Remember, make God personal. He's yours. Earnestly, I seek you. I'm the one that's going to get myself to heaven, not anyone else around me. And I'm not going to be able to get my husband to go to heaven or my kids. I have to get me to heaven. But what I can do and say around my family could hopefully help themselves get to heaven. But I have to say, God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. David says that in Psalm 63. We will never have a close relationship with God until we thirst after him. That is why Jesus said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Do you see the choice there? He's letting us choose. And sometimes we don't choose. Do you have the spiritual thirst that Jesus requires this morning? For Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. That's in Matthew 5, 6. Let's fill up our spiritual tank this morning and walk out of here as brand new regenerated Christian women. And so let's ask ourselves, how do we gain a spiritual thirst? How do we get that? I've been coming to church for 15, 20 years, all my life. How, do I, how am I going to gain that? First, we have to want it. What do you want in your life right now? Relate it to a physical thirst. We must come to Jesus. Once a person is hungry for God, Jesus said, let him come to me. If we want to experience the presence of God in our life, we must come to Jesus. If we want to know the person of God in our hearts, we must come to Jesus. If we want to receive the power of God in our lives, we must come to Jesus. Jesus Christ is the only true source of satisfaction we will ever find in this life. Jesus is the living water. 
So now what we're going to do is we're going to call to the platform. Pretend there's a little platform here. And we're going to call up the richest and wisest man of the Bible. And who was that? Everyone here should know. Who was the richest and the wisest of all times? Solomon. Okay, so Solomon's going to come up. And he's going to tell us his personal testimony, which is found in Ecclesiastes. I picked it up one day, and I couldn't stop, and I got all the way to eight. Dinner was burning on the stove. It's like, oh, my gosh. Listen to his diary. If you want to follow me, you can. If not, write it down and go home later today or this weekend when you have time and read about um, Solomon's personal testimony in Ecclesiastes. Listen to his diary uh, in chapter 2. First he tried wildness. I thought in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. Laughter, I said, is foolish, and what does pleasure accomplish? He became the playboy, the party boy. It was all play and no work, but that did not satisfy him. Next, he tried wine, alcohol. I tried cheering myself with wine and embracing folly, and my mind still guarding me with wisdom. I wanted to see what was worthwhile for man to do under heaven during the few days of their lives. But he found out, like the alcoholic, wine doesn't work. Then he tried wealth. I bought male and female slaves and had other slaves who were born in my house. I also owned more herds and flocks than anyone in Jerusalem before me. I amazed silver and gold for myself and the treasures of kings and provinces. I acquired men and women singers and a harem as well, the delights of the heart of man. But he found out, as the Bible says, the eyes of man are never satisfied. Then he tried women. I denied myself nothing my eyes desired, he says. I refused my heart no pleasure. My heart took delight in all my work, and this was the reward of my labor. He became the Hugh Hefner of his day. We know that he had an eye for the ladies because he had 700 wives and 300 concubines. If you try to wrap your mind around that, you can't. But along with that came 700 mother-in-laws. <laughs> so we know that doesn't work. We know that doesn't work. I tell my husband, just, just say hi to her. <laughs> now he says, you're becoming like your mom. <gasps> what does that mean? Someone tell me what does that mean. <laughs> Finally, we see in in Ecclesiastes, Solomon tried wisdom. Then I turned my thoughts to consider wisdom and also madness and folly. I saw that wisdom is better than folly, just as light is better than darkness. But he found out the more that he learned, the less that he knew. And what he did know showed him that everything is futile and foolish without God. So we can know so much about so much, but if we don't know God, it's worthless. In the last chapter of his diary, he wrote these words. 
Ecclesiastes 12:13. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Solomon finally found the true source and secret of satisfaction. God, a relationship with God, which we all know his own father tried to tell him before he died. Serve God. Don't leave his commandments. And he got caught up in the world. It makes no difference whether you are lost or you are saved. You need to have spiritual hydration every day. So what's our next step? Our next step would be to make a decision. Make a commitment. Now I want you to imagine that you have been in a desert for several days. You've gone totally without water. You are almost delirious. Your lips are parched. Your skin is cracked from the heat of that broiling, boiling sun. And all of a sudden, you come to a river. Now, what's the silly question? What would you do? You know what you would do. You would drink the water. Quench your thirst. That is exactly what Jesus tells us to do. Let him come to me who is thirsty. It is right here that so many of us miss it. We come to the bank of the river. We see the water. We watch the waves lap up and out. We see our own reflection in the water. But we don't drink. You see, God will lead us to the well, but he will never make us drink. If you want to be filled, you must drink. You must take your cup and drink. I heard a story one time of a foreigner here in America who saw a water fountain for the first time in his life. He could not see how to make it work. It had no tap. It had no buttons to press. He became very angry and frustrated. He was about to turn away when somebody pointed out to him a little sign on the bottom of the fountain that simply said, Stoop and drink. Well, when he stooped over, he discovered that an electric eye detected his presence and the water automatically came flowing out. You see, when we come to Jesus, we will pro- he will provide us with living water, a spiritual satisfaction, a spiritual contentment that we cannot find anywhere. If you notice snarling tempers, waves of worry, growing guilt and fear, irritability, with everything and everybody. Those are all symptoms of a dehydrated spirit. Back to Psalm 42, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Now, I don't know about you, but I wish those two sentences were not in the Bible. Why? Because the Lord authored those verses knowing in advance that his children would experience spiritual dehydration. I wish that I was never parched. I wish that when I met Christ, my soul would overflow with passion and energy forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. ever ever. After all, Jesus said, whoever drinks of the water that I give him will never be thirsty again. So why do I experience periods in my life, of my faith life, feeling dehydrated. Why, why is that happening to me right now? I know God. I, I go to church. I read my Bible. I do my study. But 
Why am I so empty? If you're here and you've been a Christian for longer than a week, you should know that your experience is filled with bumps and bruises. In some cases, you'll feel as if you have nothing left. That's what Psalms 42 depicts. A deer desperate for a drink of water, even from a muddy puddle, because it can't continue without refreshment. Have you ever been there in your walk with God, lost and dehydrated, and wanting to give up? I have. There are many things I could go on about spiritual dehydration, but right now for just today, I'm just going to give you a, a few little points. First, your conversion of coming to Christ does not guarantee the absence of spiritual dehydration. In fact, the Bible almost assures that your life will be filled with suffering. Some of the earliest disciples needed their souls strengthened and encouraged because they were facing many tribulations. Remember, last year, back in Acts, we can find that story in chapter 14. And second, Jesus experienced dehydration, just like you. Jesus' words, I thirst. But perhaps one of the most transparent moments of his earthly ministry came when he said, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. There was a time when even Christ didn't want to take one more step. But as the God-man, he did what you and I could not do. He continued on his own strength. Christ took all the steps necessary to Calvary so that when you and I have nothing left, we can rely on him for our strength. I can't carry the weight of my sins. You can't carry the weight of your sins. But Jesus did it already for me. He already did it for you. The enemy... The devil wants you and me to get dehydrated from God's word and from living with Jesus in the center of lives. The devil does not want you to reach for your daily devotion and actually do it. The devil does not want you to have time to do your study. The devil does not want there to be harmony in your marriage, harmony in your house, harmony amongst your kids. The devil does not want harmony, importantly, in this church, as important as that as us group of women. He does not want that. The devil wants you to be overwhelmed, tired, irritable, discouraged, depressed, lonely. Because why? He doesn't care about your salvation. All he cares about is getting you to not do anything that pleases God. So the next time you're short for a time, and it's either doing your study, reading your devotion, praying, versus doing something opposite. And we've all been there where the clock is ticking and you have to get out the door. Don't give the enemy a chance to win. Pick up your Bible and say, not today. Not today, Satan. If you're experiencing spiritual dehydration, don't be surprised. It's part of the Christian life. And when you do experience deliberating spiritual weakness, rely on Jesus. 
He's your Savior. Bring him home to your house. Bring him home to your heart. Jesus, who took the steps for you, his power is made perfect in our weakness. We want to run to Jesus, the light of the world. The riches of his love will always be enough. So the three steps here as I conclude, as I end here. First, we need to recognize that we need Jesus in our lives. Like water and food, if we deprive our bodies of natural needs, it will alarm us. If we deprive our souls of spiritual food, our heart will alarm us. What does that spiritual food look like? Maybe to you and me it's different as an individual. Spiritual food, prayer, reading, studying it, not just reading it. Worship, hearing God's word, alone time with God. Fellowship with like-minded people. Second, we need to make a decision to commit. To put God and Jesus at the center of our lives in everything we do. Third, we need to give out what he puts in. Let his spirit flow out of you and of me to everybody around us. And here's a question. Who needs Jesus? Everybody. The Bible tells us that Jesus said, The Son of Man did not come for the the rich, but to heal the sick. We're all sick. We're all sick of our flesh. Matthew 9.13 But go and learn what this means. He's talking to us who know God's word. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Give out Christ's love too. The person begging for money at Walmart. The illegal immigrant looking for a job to feed his family. The kid or person high on drugs and alcohol. Call it prescription. Or the family member that needs, the family member that seems to have it all together, but you personally know they don't. These might not be people in your circle or even my circle. But these are the people in God's circle. And he wants to use us as a vessel to get out there and let that person know. These might not be people in yours and my circle, or they are people that we try to avoid because they make us uncomfortable. But Jesus died for you and me and for them and for everybody. So this morning, as we go through with our challenges of being dehydrated. Let's pick up our water, the living water. Jesus Christ is the living water. I am the living water. And let's drink from his well. He will make everything around us good. He will heal our hearts. He will heal our homes and our marriages and our kids. So let's reach out with Christ's love to everyone around us. And if you're here this morning and you're dehydrated and you feel that God is just not there right now for you, I want you to just take a moment and just just bow your head and pray and just ask him to just come and, and help you and heal you and talk to you. Talk to him what, what's on your heart, what's on your mind, what's going on. He already knows what's going on, but he wants you to tell him what's going on.
He needs to see us broken at the cross. So I'm going to ask today, I know we have plenty of time, that if you're here this morning and, and you really feel that heart beat and you need prayer or you need a sister's love, and if you want to come up, we'd, let's just open it up for you know, a moment of, if you want prayer, um, if you just want a hug, maybe we can just do that. But in the meantime, um, run, to Je- run to Jesus, the light of the world, all who are thirsty, all who are weak, come to the fountain, dip your heart in the streams of life. Amen.